The following message, the postman's letter, was recorded at the Dunamis Conference in Kelowna, Canada in May 2001. It involves Wes Campbell, the pastor of the church, interviewing Bob Jones, the prophet, about 25 years of prophetic revelation. And uh, take some of that, that sound off mine, that's good, thank you. Well, uh, again, we welcome everyone tonight for our last evening, and um, this is by no means kind of a, we're not coasting tonight. There's a major level of intensity on what we're going to do in this next hour, and with Heidi Baker, we want to come and release this, uh, this commissioning as well. And tonight's message we're calling, it's not really a, a preach, but we're calling it the postman's letter. The postman's letter. And it comes from um, a face-to-face encounter that Bob Jones had with Jesus four months ago that speaks of what's going on tonight, what's actually happening in this room here tonight in this city of Kelowna, by name Kelowna. And what we're going to be doing tonight, and we're really speaking not just to this, you know, crowd here of a thousand, but this is going to go out throughout the world. We're going to be sending this to many locations and destinations because this is a letter that God is going to use to marshal the end-time army and faith on end-time revival. That's what's going on. So what we're doing in this next 45, 50 minutes is we're dictating God's letter. That's what we're doing. So this is a dictation that's going on right here. And this is like unto what happened in the Scriptures. You don't have to turn to it, but by way of illustration, Daniel was in Babylon in a captive situation as a slave, really, that rose to the heights of the Babylonian Empire. And when he was an old man of, say, 80, 85, into his 90, whatever, we don't know exactly, Daniel 9, in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, it says, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. And Daniel was saying that he was reading the Scriptures, which were the scrolls or the letters of God, that were given to the prophets, Jeremiah in this particular instance, Jeremiah had specific data regarding times, dates, and amounts that Israel would be captive in Babylon. And when this specific number or time was fulfilled, God was going to do something in the heavens. There would be this massive shift. It involved world powers, superpowers of the world at that time. It It involved cosmic or angelic activity battling in the heavens that would happen to release the people of God, Israel, to go back into the land, rebuild the second temple, the second time the walls of Jerusalem, and launch itself, really, for the coming of Messiah, which would happen 500 years later, but it would be a very historic event. Now, that was fueled by prophetic word. Amos says this, The Lord will do absolutely nothing, but that He will reveal it to His servants, the prophets. So in a very real sense, when God is going to do specific and significant events, He first tells His prophets ahead of time. They speak it out. Isaiah says this, 
so that when it happens, the people will know of a surety God has done this. And so the Lord does these things, and then as the prophets and the proclaimers, the preachers, get a hold of it, they preach this to the people, the intercessors grab it, take it into their spirit, begin to intercede. Verse 3 says, I set my face to plead with the Lord. I petitioned in sackcloth and ashes, and I fasted and I prayed. And he begins to confess and repent. Then around verses 20, angel Gabriel comes in swift flight and says, the moment you began to intercede, the answer that you were interceding for was coming, and now we're going to do battle in the heavens to get that answer. That was all started 70 years before by prophetic word. Application. God has not stopped prophesying. Gabriel is not dead. Amen. He is still in swift flight. Acts chapter 2 says, In the last days I'll pour my spirit on your sons and daughters, they will prophesy, etc. The prophesying spirit of God is very much alive in the sons and daughters, and he is prophesying so much the more as the Lord is returning. So much the more will prophecy abound as the church and the glory of God is covering the whole earth. So much the more we are listening to the prophetic voices so that we can get on God's timetable so that faith rises in the people of God, and so that we'll receive the answer of God on earth, which He tells us so that He can fulfill His Word as the people of God cooperate in prayer. So, I am going to interview Bob, who we don't have time to give you his background, because we're only taking 45 to 50 minutes, and we do have tapes on that in the library, and we're going to have him back again, and we'll go through an extended three-hour interview at another time. But... We're jumping, and you're going to have to take this by faith. We're just going to jump you into the action in 1975 when he has a situation where he prophesies against a certain evil that, is in, uh, that was prevalent in that day. He dies, goes to heaven, and this is the beginning of these set of prophecies. And we're going to end with the year 2001, which is right now, and the vision of Jesus that he had, not the vision, the face-to-face encounter four months ago where the Lord spoke this city by name, by name, and talked about this letter that's going out. Okay? And we're going to, and all this is unto this commissioning, and uh, Heidi, who we have here from Mozambique, who has been used again in also a visit, visitation of Jesus, and she told us that yesterday, is going to pray for this impartation and commissioning tonight. Amen. So... And I want all the young people to listen, especially, especially my children. Okay, we got them right here. This is your, this is your letter. I'm telling you, Simeon, this is your letter. Believe me. I'll be interpreting it to you over the weeks when we're driving to California. Okay, go, Bob. 1975. Uh, The Lord gave me some words about what would happen in the future, about, I'd say, August the 5th of 75. And the words were how they would perfect abortion uh, and all the ways they would perfect it and how they'd finally come to where they would just have a pill that would push the baby away from the woman's wall and the baby would starve. Then he spoke to me about there would be a homosexual disease that couldn't be cured and there'd be many, many other viruses and other diseases that couldn't be cured. And he said in this that by the year 2000, five million people would be dying of this homosexual disease. Okay, I'm going to be always doing this. I'm going to keep interrupting him and making clarification. So in 
1975, the Lord said by the year 2000, millions would die from this disease. Uh, five million. Okay, five million. If you go back, you'll find that's exactly what died last year. I spoke these prophecies since 75. Okay. And uh, uh, I was bringing in prophecies, and, uh, and the, the devil appeared before me and said, Quit bringing those prophecies, or I'll kill you. And I said, I know who you are. You don't frighten me anymore. I'm not your property. You can't touch me. Uh, found out a few hours later where he could or not. Because he said, the next time you bring those prophecies, I'm going to kill you. And I said, I'll show you. So on August 8th in the morning, some people wanted to get these prophecies down. By the way, the churches didn't want these prophecies. They didn't want the, the way that I would tell them how abortion is going to be perfected. How you would kill a baby with a saline solution is like throwing it in a fire. How you'd kill a baby with partial abortion is like filleting the, the baby for your guests so you have meat in there. So and, you were telling the churches this and they didn't want to hear this at that time. Oh, it made them sick and they said, no way. And I said, homosexuals will demonstrate in your streets and in your government. And so uh, they didn't want those prophecies. And I, it didn't make any difference to me because uh, what I come out of, uh, I was a barroom brawler anyway and a drunk. So I wasn't scared then. So I wasn't scared. After I got saved, I sure wasn't scared of him. So I brought him that morning. But I went out to work, and within two hours, everything below my belt become rock hard. And I asked him, asked my son, get me home. And he got me home. And I said, better get me the doctor. And I went to the doctor. And the doctor said, I've never seen this before. Get him in the hospital. I told Avaul and, and Wayne, I said, I'm not going to go in the hospital. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die in my own bed. So I went home. And the doctor gave me some uh, pain pills. They didn't work. And then it, uh, it got to where blood was shooting out of my mouth like a geyser. So you were, you were profusely bleeding out of your mouth. Yeah. So I got a cold towel wrapped around my head, and the pain was beyond anything I can describe. And uh, I think, boy, this is serious. And all of a sudden, the pain stopped. And I went into a dark place like a tunnel. And I stood there, and I'm thinking, huh, where am I at? And I looked down there, and... At the entrance of that tunnel was the most beautiful person I've ever seen. He was light. And all different tiles of white light circled him. And the only thing that I could see that was like blue was his eyes. And they had, they were like two blue pools that you couldn't see the bottom. And uh, I said, ooh, he did kill me. I wonder how he was able to kill me. I was doing what the Lord told me to do. And then my second thought, because I come out of deep sin, was, oh, did I get it all taken care of? Is my robe got a spot on it? So you're wondering if you kind of like made it okay. Well, I was wondering. I knew I had, I was saved, but to what degree? <laughs> I mean, did I come home with, with spots on my robe? And there was a man that stood by my side, on my right side. He was a faceless man, the paraclete. And he said, you can look now, Bob, and see. And so I looked, and my robe was white. And I said, 
this is the first time in my life I've got it made. I died doing what he told me to do, and I'm going to Jesus. So I went into a line, and there was another line on the other side of my left side. It was like a, a roller belt, a conveyor belt. And there were people on there that were horrible looking. I saw a man wrapped in sod. He worshipped his yard. I saw another man, head sticking out of a whittle whiskey bottle, and I spoke to the faceless man. I said, what is that? And he said, this is the God they worshipped on the earth. This is their tormentor in hell forever. The God that you worship on this earth is who you'll spend eternity with. And so, if it's Jesus Christ, you're going to spend eternity with Him. But if it's drugs, uh, uh, immorality, you're going to spend your eternity in hell with these things as your tormentor. So I turned away from that, and I looked in this other line. They, they were two people in the line I was with, with 98 in the other. That other line went up here like a roller coaster, and all of a sudden they looked at him whom they denied. And over and over, the, the Lord had given every person there a witness. There was not one person that was going to hell that hadn't had a witness of him. And then they just went down like into a, a dark freezer, and they would never see that light again. But they got to see him before they went to hell. So I turned my way. I couldn't stand the look in their eyes. And so uh, I began to see the Lord, and I saw the great, I mean, great evangelist with many, many angels that helped him do the work. And he, they would come before the Lord, and he asked them only one question. Did you learn to love? That is the only question he'll ask you when you stand before him. If you learn to love, you'll do all those other things. And so, I, and every time that they would say yes, uh, he would kiss them right on the lips and draw them into him. It's like double doors here. And they go right into the heart of Christ. So then he would kiss them. They would go into the heart of Christ yeah. and disappear into They'd paradise. They'd disappear into him. You didn't know where they went. Oh, I knew they were going to heaven. But I guess he is heaven, his heart. Wow. Okay. And he went right into that heart. And so it was coming my turn. And boy, I was saying, I just, I watched a little 11-year-old girl that had been a bedfast most of her life. She had an awesome testimony. In that bed, she laid there and prayed all the time. And when he asked her, he said, Sis, did you learn to love? And she said, Oh, yes, Lord. He kissed her, and in she went. Wow. There was another woman that was 93 years old, and she died with arthritis in her hands and everything else. And when he asked her, Did you learn to love? And she said, Only you, Lord. Wow. I got bitter young, and I spent most of my life biting people in church. I stayed there all my life, but I sure did bite a lot of people and nibble on them. And he said, uh, you're saved by grace. And he kissed her, and she went. And I was next. I really puckered up. <laughs> well, I, I had it made. It's the first time in my life I ever had it made. And he held his hand out, and he said, no. Satan killed you. You were doing my bidding. I want you to go back. And I told him, well, Lord, I'm not doing any good. He said, you're a liar. When I give a prophet my word and he brings it, it will accomplish what I sent it to do. Amen. And I said, Lord, they're persecuting me up there, and I died in pain. He said, well, you're sort of a coward, too. But you really got a heart for evangelism. You got that in the Baptist church. 
And that's why I made you a Bapticostal, so you could talk to me. And he, and he said, but if you still want to come in, I want you to look at that line over there first. I want you to really look at them. And I looked at those lines, it was going to hell. And I looked back at him and said, I'd go back for one. He said, I don't want you to go back for one. I want you to go back for a billion. Whoa. I'm going to do a work when there's six billion people on the earth. Oh, that he said when there's six billion people? Yes. He said that word? Yep. Six. So, he said, I'm going to bring one-sixth of them to me in one great wave. Wow. And I said, he said, I want you to touch the leaders of the church so that that which I'm going to bring in will be youth. I'm going to bring youth in that's been born since abortion was legalized. Okay, so in that encounter, he was telling you specific time exact. chronologies. Exact. Since abortion, you can turn me down, I'm too hot. <clears throat> since abortion, when was that? Uh, 73. 1973. And when there's six billion people on the earth. Right. Okay. Uh, that was 2000 again. And uh, he said, I want you to go back and prepare the church for them that's going to come in. I'm going to bring these. And when you come back to me, they'll be coming in without number. Wow. Whoa. For these that I have foreknown and predestinated, I'm going to bring them in then. And he says, I want you to go back and waken the church up. So I came, I said, I will for souls. So I came back, and uh, I began to speak to the churches of, of the seasons of God. They really, when they begin to kill the babies in Egypt, the deliverer Moses rose up. They were, Satan was after him. When they started killing the babies in Bethlehem, the deliverer raised up. Moses delivered them out of Egypt. But the one that was raised up in Bethlehem was to deliver into the hands of our daddy. Okay, tell us about, uh, tell us about this first order. You said there were two orders, and in this, this uh, encounter, you were told about the first order. I was told about the first order was those that's been born uh, since 73. Uh, and then two years later, he came to me again, and he took me to the seashore in the sands of the sea. Okay, so now we're going we're going from 80, uh, 75 to 1977. That's right. And you had uh, an encounter. What what is this? Uh, there's a place that I can only tell you that I am there. Uh, sometimes I go in a place that I'm there and. And I go into the mid-heaven, and the Lord says, This is a person I want you to go to the hospital and raise tomorrow. So I've already been there. I go to the hospital and pray for that person, and they're raised. So the Lord takes you to a place where you where see him? the future or the past or the present, right. and he shows you things, and then if it was the future, you would actually see it tomorrow or the next day. It would be as it was that you uh, Some of it, some of this was 75 years ago. It's just happening now. Wow. It's 25 years later, and I've been waiting that long to see it happen. Hmm. 
So two years later, he began to speak to me about some awesome change was going to happen in the body of Christ. And he, I was walking on the seashore with the Lord, and I saw the Apostle Paul. And he reached his hands down into the sands of time there, and he pulled up a shoebox. And Apostle Paul said, this is our generation. This is my generation. It's going to happen. He opened the shoebox, and it was empty. So he opened the shoebox, nothing in it. There was nothing in it. The Apostle Paul believed that what's happening now was going to happen in his generation. Every prophet after him believed the same thing. I saw many. They were prophets of all the dark ages and everything else. The Lord always had them here. And he told me to reach my hands in the sands of time. And I did, and I found my shoebox, and I pulled it up. I didn't expect anything in it because all the others was empty. I opened my shoebox, and it had letters in it, white letters. And I noticed it said, Greetings, you're inducted into the army of God. And I, the Lord said, this is the second order of troops I'm okay. going to bring in. So he said, now, this is the second order of the army. Yep. Okay. And these will be army. The first order of delivers. You, this young man up here is a deliverer tonight. You saw a result of, uh, uh, many of these up here are deliverers of this time. Are they going to deliver the, the, the people out of Egypt? They're going to deliver the people into the hands of their daddy. And so, uh, I looked at these, and he said, I said, who are these? And he said, these are those that I have foreknown and predestinated to represent me in the last day. This will be my army. The first group will go forth, and that's those out here that's between 20 and 30 right now. Okay, so the first group that you were speaking about is 20 to 30-year-olds today, as right of 2001. Now. Right. And... This second army, which is the army of God, are those of you that's under 20. Now, how did you and know? those that's yet unborn. How did you know? How do you know this, that they're under 20? How did you know that? Uh, because I know how to count. No, no. What was, did, did he tell you a sign or something? He was saying, now, you will know when it costs you 20 cents to mail a letter. Okay, so in 77, you get this, this encounter, and he says, the... The greetings will go out to draft the army when the United States stamp reaches what? 20 cents. 20 cents. If I remember right, it was around 10 or 12 cents then. And in the United States, we said it will never possibly go up more than that. In eight, but in 81, it went up to 20 cents. And he told me, I will mail these letters when it costs 20 cents to mail it. And the children that are conceived will start being born then. Wow. Okay. Your children that's under 20, it's been born since then, this is who you are, the army of God. There's not any wall you can't pull down. Praise the Lord. There's nothing that you will enter into every city on the earth and you'll carry the gospel to every place. Praise the Lord. You are those that he foreknown and predestinated. He rests through the sands of time. I saw him take his finger. And he said, this is a perfect seed. Going to be born here. This, here's another one. She's going to represent me in the last day. Here's another one that's going to walk in my glory. Here's my evangelist. All these are going to come. He said, I am going to glorify myself in the last day beyond anything that the world has ever seen. 
and I'm going to bring over a billion of these in at once. And these, he, he was saying then, these are the children of promise. Praise the Lord. I promised the world a child of promise, the Christ, the Isaac. Uh, Romans 9, 8, Galatians 4, 28. But uh, in this same scripture, you'll find that he promised the world the children of promise. You warriors are the children of promise. And those of you are going to follow behind the captain. And you're not going to know the defeat that the rest of us have. You're called to have a close relationship with the captain. And those that's going before you, fathers and mothers before you, they've made it possible for your generation. So you are a chosen generation. You're a generation that's actually not called to death. You're called to There's going to be a generation. The Lord had to kill Moses because Moses was so close with him that he would have never died. His natural forces didn't abate in 120 years. If some of you die, you'll, you, if you die uh, uh, at 100, you'll be a young person. Praise the Lord. There's coming a relationship with you with Christ that you walk with him, that you become a normal person like me, that you just go and talk with him. Signs and wonders, miracles, raising the dead, that's not an option. That's a, that's a commandment in Matthew 10, 8. Kicking devils out, healing leprosy, which is doctrinal error, that's what you're going to do throughout the whole world. Doctrinal error is what kept the power down. Wow. You're going to carry it to the world. You are that generation. Let's and, just thank the Lord for that. Anyhow, come on. This is incredible. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to keep this moving because we've only got a certain amount of time here. I want I want to move to the chickadee. No, the eighty-four prophecy when you ha or the when you saw Jesus eighty-four. Well, in about eighty, the Lord says I'm going to come to you on July the third when there's a double rainbow over your house. In nineteen eighty, he said that. Yeah, well, I think it's seventy-nine eighty. I don't remember which. So I told everybody every year he's coming this year. He didn't show up. But I was still looking for him. I mean, I had the word. He's going to show up. In 84, an angel come and said, This is the year. You'll see him. Now get your questions ready, what you want to ask him, because he is going to come, and there'll be a double rainbow over your house. Wow. Uh, on July the 3rd. Keith had an interpretation of that that I really believe is the Lord. You know, we had a double rainbow here the other day. We had one tonight. I believe the first, uh, Keith is saying the first rainbow was a covenant for the whole body of Christ. But the second one is for individual covenant. I think he's looking for y'all to make individual covenants or marriages with him. And I think this is one of the things that's going to happen after this. That if you're married to the Lord and covenant with the Lord, then he's in control of your soul. It's settled every place in all creation except between your ears. When it gets settled there, it's settled. I mean, God has already done it. We've got a young generation that's going to raise up where it's settled. When God is in the saddle of their mind, there's nothing they can't do. So this is that generation that he promised himself. And they will be like Christ. And it'd be so many of them, the enemy, I mean, he has really got a rough road to hold. Okay, so what did the Lord say to you in this 84? You, you were how long with him? Well, 
I uh, thought for several months, okay, what do I really want to know? What mystery do I want to understand? What do I want to know? I got so confused. Well, if I ask this, that would take up two hours, and I'm only going to have a short time with him. What do I want to know? I don't want to know nothing. I want him to do all the talking. Sometimes we ought to shut up and let the Holy Spirit and the Lord do the talking. You know, I don't think we spend enough silent time in front of him, or even the church either. So he came, and he reached out and took my hand and said, Oh, dear friend, I've been looking forward to this visit a long time. And I'm thinking, he has. Let's talk. So he began to talk to me about some things. And he began to tell me some things that's going to happen. And some of it I didn't really want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he talked about the persecution, what was going to happen to the church and in the world and things like that. And what did he say relating to the end time harvest? Then he said, I want you to pray to me while I'm here. Wow. And I'll tell you what to pray. You know, I think we've missed a real vital point there. You know, we shouldn't pray to the Lord. We should wait and pray with Him. Hmm. Every one of you is a child of God. You've got the ability to hear what God wants you to pray. And so most of our prayers to Him is, Bless me, bless me, bless me. Uh, heal uh, Uncle Pete. Uh, bless me, bless me. Why don't we wait and find out what He wants us to pray for? And when we speak it out loud, it's agreeing with God. And, and I was wondering, why does a man have to speak it out because God has given you the church. The heavens belong to him in 115 Psalm 16 verse, but the earth is given into your hands and you need to pray aloud for it to come into being. Pray it right out loud? Uh, Just declare it? Absolutely. When you speak it, it's created because it's Papa. Uh, in the uh, Isaiah 48, 6 and 7, uh, it's not entered into the, to the heart of man of what God is ready to do here. You haven't seen it, you haven't heard of it, you haven't even thought of it. In your wildest imagination it hadn't happened. And it's going to be called into being by the by the word of prophecy. Mm. And then to read that word of prophecy, if a prophet is prophesying in his own heart, nothing happens. They don't go any higher and see it. But if he is prophesying what God is saying, it's creative. It's creative. And you're going to see that now. That's what this is out there. Praise the Lord. This is a serious time. And so... He uh, asked me to pray. Psalms 12, 1. Help, Lord, for we've not got any King Davids. We've not got any Gideons or Samuels. All our dread champions are dead. And most of the church don't lay it to heart. I'm sort of paraphrasing, but this is what he's actually saying. And I looked at him and he said, I will do it, Bob. The first thing I will begin to do I'm going to begin to deal with 35 international apostles. And he showed me the golden ark. And it was beautiful. And I said, and I saw these men, and I think some of them were just being called. And, and he'd just begin to deal with some of you right there in the church then. And they came and lifted up the glory of God on their shoulder. And I said, can I join that? And he said, no. you're just What you are now is what you'll always be, so don't get ambition on anything because... 
it ain't going to change. But I am going to raise up leaders that can bear my glory to where the whole world can see it. Wow. My government. And he said, now, the second prayer. I want you to begin to pray that I touch your faith and fail not, and that I begin to help your unbelief. So for faith, more faith. For faith, and your options for sin comes through your unbelief. And God has been trying to remove your unbelief. One of your greatest unbeliefs is praying for finances. Uh, God has given visions. You should pray for provision. And I, uh, I would well, he told me recently, add a hundred times to what you've been believing for. This youth that's going to come in are going to be broke. And they're going to need toilets and lights and fields. And many of them is going to go overseas. Uh, what you're doing here is part of it. Wow. So I prayed that to him, and he said, I'm going to do strange things, Bob. I'm going to use you in a strange way to gather money. And so I don't know if you know it or not, but I had a garden back there, and I love to garden. I don't know if we're going to get time for this one. We're going to get that yeah. next one because I, I must get you to the postman tonight. Well, then the, my third prayer was ask for power. Just a sec. The one he was going to tell you was a million-dollar offering. Million and a half. Million and a half that was prophesied and came in in 1991. Uh, 1990 at Kansas City with Mike Bickle taking the offering, went to Russia, representing one million souls. A million Bibles went into Russia. And last week I was preaching in a Soviet Union army bunker, uh, bomb shelter under the ground and preaching to the, to the fruit of that million-dollar offering. They're all over Russia now, planting churches by the scores, the hundreds. And that's true. That happened. The other night, when the rainbow came, Todd Bentley ministered after that. That was power. Yeah. The rainbow has came again tonight individually to get you off of your seats and moving in his power. So, what's the name of this conference? What was the third prayer? Power. Say it again. How did he ask you? He said, I want you to ask me that I give the church power. 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 Whoa. Anybody know what the name of this conference is? You know what this is all about? The first one was a corporate anointing, but I'm, I'm, Keith is right. This second one is individually for each and every one of you to begin to seek him and get that provision of power in every field, the mind of Christ on inventions. Wow. The mind of Christ in real estate. Yeah. yeah. The mind of Christ in yeah. every field. Yeah, finances. It's time yeah, that government. the enemy quits robbing the body of Christ. Wow. And wow. I've already told you, the scepter of the wicked is no longer going to reign over you righteous. Whoa. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord praise for that. <laughs> Come on. Power. 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 Dunamis, power. Don't let this word of faith go out of your spirit in the next 20 minutes. Heidi's coming, who God has anointed with dunamis power, and we're going to take that second rainbow tonight. That's going to be appropriated tonight. Okay, 20 minutes more. Let's go. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move Bob out of the 1984 prophecy. I'm going to tell you three things. The Lord told him that there was coming a move of the Spirit in the land of the Chickadee, which was northeast, the northeast of a continent. Northeast North America. And what did he say exactly? Uh, he said, I'm going to move in, north, in the north and in the east of, the, of, of this continent. I'm going to move in the land of the Chickadee. And I'm going to move, and I'm going to do that, uh, I'm going to do that, uh, uh, let me see, what is that scripture? Romans 10, Romans? Uh, no, uh, Hebrews, uh, I'm going to call those things that are not as though they were. Praise the Lord. And you all know what happened in Toronto in 1994 which we don't have time to get into this prophecy, but it's in my book called Welcoming a Visitation of the Holy Spirit. All the prophecies concerning the beginning of this flow was 1994. Bob prophesied in 1983 a comet that has a whole bunch of significance, a comet before it happened, on the day it would happen, relating all that related to the 1994 outpouring in Toronto. Plus, there was Brownsville that was prophesied, yeah. and a whole bunch of other things, all that relating to the beginning of this move. But again, because of time, I'm not, we're not going to go there, because we've got to go to the postman prophecy, and the postman prophecy, of which we are dictating the letter tonight, tonight we're dictating the letter, was four months ago, February 28th, and tell us about that. Well, there was a little earthquake up in this year with you at that time. Uh, I was told that there would be a quake to declare what God was going to do, too. And that was February the 15th of uh, 91. And he said, there would be an earthquake in the sound to declare the five virgins that's got oil in their lamps will then raise up and begin to dance and sing wow. and bring in my rain. Wow. And so uh, there was an earthquake that happened that day. And that morning, uh, I was in Redding, California, and the Lord came to me and said, I want you to prophesy a movie you saw a few years ago. Now, when was this? This was just... Uh, this was uh, February the 28th of this year. 2001. 2001. Now. Okay. Many years ago, he told me that not much would happen before 98. This is on the tapes. But he said, in 2001, I'll begin with youth. 2001. And two th uh, I begin to bring in youth then that I'm going to use as evangelist. 2002 will escalate. 2003 will be awesome. 2004 and 2005 will increase in number without end. Wow. And he told me in this year's Shepherd Rod, that Keith, I believe, has got it on the, uh, the factory, what you do on that. The facts of the internet? Yeah, the, the internet. internet. And he told me this year... To Pentecost, I'm going to deal with you, with you with you old to get in place. But from that time forth, from May the 28th, my priority is youth. Wow. Okay, so if you want to be where it's happening, you're in the Sunday school and youth department. Absolutely. Right? Kindergarten, grade school, high school, colleges. Get ready for them to open to you. They haven't got the answers. You do. Prayer is the answers. Okay, so 
you have so, a visit. You have a visit. Yeah, I saw the Lord. Uh, you saw the Lord. Yeah. I was in where he, where he came to me. And he said, I want you to prophesy a movie. And I said, huh? He said, the postman. I want you to prophesy the postman. And he said, uh, people have been trying to get you to go places, and you've told them no way. To go places? Yeah, to go places. There's a, uh, uh, some cities that I've been telling people I'm not going to. And he drew three circles, 500-mile circles. And he said, I want to start here in Reading with you today. Wow. I want you to go to Albany, the second circle. Albany, Oregon? Yep. I want you to go to Kelowna, Canada, Ooh. on the third one. Now, Keith had been trying to get me to go, and others, and I told him, no way. I mean, a man my age wouldn't is not stupid enough to go to all them places on his own. So you're you're 71 years old right now, right? And they're trying to drag you all over America yeah. and everything. Maybe you the Lord said no. Give them. <laughs> and so Jesus Jesus comes to you and he tells you to go to three cities, right? And he says, "Look at these, the outlines of this. I'm going to start a movement that's a Jesus." Movement will be like a token. Wow. And I'm, uh, and my youth are going to begin to uh, uh, deliver mail through all of this. And he showed me uh, that movie. And this man in the movie found an old mail truck. And it had a bunch of dry bones in it. Wow. Dry bones. I'm sure some of you are not going to rinse that tape. and I mean, look at it. But it, uh, it had dry bones in it. But it had a mail sack that still had the letters in it. Wow. Wow. So this man in his poverty, and I think that's where the church has been, he thought, I might get a little something out of this if I deliver it. So he took the mail sack to the next town and said, are these people still living here? They were still living in that town. But the government had fallen in the nation. They didn't have a government. A five-fold government. And he took these letters, two of them, and they said, Oh, yeah, we'll be glad to pay for them letters. Oh, it's good to hear. If we're getting letters, then we still got a government. Ooh. We've got a government that's delivering our mail. And they said, We... If we got a government, then we need to get some riders to deliver the mail. Wow. Boy, this youth come without number. The youth started coming in the movie? In the movie. Uh, by the way, these youth were colorblind. Wow. Praise the Lord. And some of the main leaders were black. And so this leader that come in there, I mean, he'd found, he, he'd, I mean, he got into a good deal. He was really being lifted up, I mean, taken care of. I mean, his church was full. But the, the, the anarchy ruled. So some of these that were literally ruling and wanted to continue to rule uh, said, we've well, got to kill these youth and stop that mail from being delivered. So they started killing the youth. And it didn't matter to youth, and the Lord spoke to me in here, Youth are looking for something to die for in the United States. 
And I'm going to give them something to live for. I'm going to reveal myself to them. Praise the Lord. So Jesus said that to you. Yeah. And they will start running and nothing can stop them. Wow. And they'll begin in these three circles. Oh, and this is my priority. Wow. Now, he spoke this vision to me about three eagles nests in the northwest when I raised a man from the dead in night in uh, July the 19th of 81. So back in 81. Now, we're jumping out of 81. Ago. He told me this. Oh, my goodness. 81. You know, uh, uh, nearly everybody knows of these, these prophecies that's been around me. And he said there will be three eagles. There will be nests. three cities and three eagles' nests with a thousand eaglets in each uh, uh, city. Wow. And these, I mean, you're getting ready for 3,000 postmen to start delivering your mail. Who? And I mean, they'll read it. The, what the Lord is looking for now is post offices that'll let them move out of called churches. Wow. But they're going to deliver the mail out there. They kept delivering the mail. They kept being killed or the leader himself got so discouraged. I want to quit. I'm willing to back down. They're killing these kids. The kids said, we're not going to let you back down. We're not going to back down either. Wow. We won't be stopped. we got a government. No matter what kind of doubt you're in, we still got a government. We still believe for it. <laughs> By the way, their faith raised up a government. Pray that your faith fell not. These youth kept going. Or the wicked was removed. Wow. And they actually brought in a church government. So the faith of the youth that would not the stop faith, literally. The youth of challenge you old ones like you've okay. never been challenged before. Wow. They challenged the old to build the government. Yep. They'll challenge every one of us because they're not going to be held back and they're not going to be raised in doubt like we have. These are the best of generation, and when Jesus appears to them, uh, they're not afraid to die when they got something to die for. But even more, he's looking for some of them to live for him. They will live for him. Wow. They will live in his righteousness and his holiness, and they will deliver his mail. No matter where it goes, they'll deliver it. Now, you talk about circuit riders. You're looking at them. Praise the Lord. I mean, you're going to... Uh, uh, there won't be any demonic thing able to stop them. Wow. Uh, in natural mail, if a mail truck is coming and anything else is trying to get ahead of it, the mail truck gets priority in, in every road or anything else. You may not know it, but in the States, the mail gets, all, it gets the first priority in everything. And this is God's priority. Youth delivering the mail. You can't keep them out of kindergarten. Yeah. Because some of them are going to be in kindergarten. You wow. can't keep them out of grade school, so they're going to be there. You can't keep them out of high school, they're going to be there. And you can't keep them out of colleges, because they're already there. And they're going to go to all the nations of the earth. <laughs> uh, what he's doing here, I think he's going to... Well, I know that what he's doing in here will spread to Russia and, and the, uh, Australia and New Zealand. This is already going to happen. And, and to the others... And I don't know how many other places that he's birthing at the same time, but he's birthing this now. This entire conference has been a birth. Amen. Okay. We're going to close with one last piece, and then we're going to uh, be calling Heidi. Oh, amen. Now, um, you, you had in the 70s a panoramic picture of the end-time harvest. 
And uh, so we're, we've come all this way to say in, ninth, in the year 2001, uh, 80, 1981, letters would go out. And at 20, when they were 20 years old, 2001 would be this, uh, a million would start to come in. And then it would increase in the year 2002, 2003, moving to a billion harvest of young people. By the way, the world, presently, half of the earth is 18 years old and under. Half of the earth. And as God is going to pour His Spirit on all flesh, half of it is young people. And they're poor. And they live in the nations of the earth. And so, okay, so this panoramic vision, we're going to end with that. Uh, here's a word that I've been bringing uh, since the 70s. 1950 would reveal the power of God. William Branham, O. Roberts, A. Allen, and all these mighty powerful uh, men. Uh, the 1960s would reveal the Spirit of God when the baptism of the Holy Spirit invaded the churches. And the 1970s would reveal the teachers of God. You go back, great teachers begin to raise up in all the faith in the 70s. The 1980s would reveal the prophets of God. That's when men like me begin to come forward. The 1990s would reveal the government of God. So he's been bringing his government forth and preparing them up, up to this point. Then the word that I brought in the, in the 2000 would reveal the glory of God. Well, that diamond I found here, and I don't know whether you know about that or not, but I found a diamond here the first night. And I've never had those before. I saw the gold here on several of you. The gold teeth and all of that is the glory of God that's beginning now. It's been coming for uh, around a year and a half, two years. You've got nine more years of that glory. And uh, every one of you are going to begin to see God's glory. The 2010s were because you're going to dwell ten years in His glory. You're not going to have faith in God in the 2010. You're going to have the faith of God. Praise the Lord. The 2020s will bring you into that place to where you have the rest of God. You'll be so rest in Him. I want to tell you something that's above faith. It's trust. When you trust God, that's above faith. You're going to have the 2020s to where there is the rest that you rest in God and He rests in you and do His purpose. The 2030s will be the family of God. You'll begin to see... Everything come together in its slot. Uh, by the way, in Ezekiel 47, the denominations there, if you study, the tribes are going to be allotted their own land. We're going to have denominations in it, but each one will be allotted its own space, and they'll complement one another. To that in the 30s, you'll begin to see a unity among the tribes where the enemy can't come in anymore. 2040, you'll begin to see the kingdom of God revealed. 2050s, you'll begin to see the sons of God. I mean... Uh, these Christ-like ones, they'll do greater things than what Christ did. You'll begin to see that. These youth, some of them will be young people then. Some of them are still shut up in their mother's womb. Will be some of the greatest leaders that's ever been on the face of the earth. So this is what the enemy has been trying to do. is kill that generation off because he knows his time is short. But God is still God and, he, and he's not letting him take this generation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, just as, just as we call Heidi up right now, 
You need to know that uh, there was uh, the winds of change word that came to Bob just some months ago is the reason he's here. The Lord spoke this city and he also said the change is coming. We're right in a transition, a season of change right now. Presently, we're in a season of change. And this dictation of this letter tonight, which is going on video and cassette, we're sending it all over, we're going to be sending it to our friends, is, the, is, is a letter to ignite faith. That's what this is. This is a letter to ignite faith in leaders, in young people, to the intercessors, and, uh, and we're just going to start spreading this all over the place. Why? Because the word of the Lord, which is substantiated by signs and wonders, so much of which we couldn't share. You know, this really takes uh, about a four-hour run to tell you the nuances of empirical evidence that goes with these prophecies. I mean, literally, there is comets in the heavens that are prophesied before they come and substantiated in the newspapers. There are earthquakes. There are signs. There are rains. There are there are uh, um, uh, floods. I have many, many. I have knowledge of many of these, which we don't have time to share with you. But there are there are phenomena on the earth, which Jesus said attest to the fact no one can move the earth but God alone. So He backs up His word with phenomena on the earth. These are signs and wonders. But this is to ignite your faith. The year 2000 is when we went to six billion. The 1975, when Bob went to heaven, it was at two, when, the, when the earth reaches six billion. All these prophecies, as you listen to this tape, we're going to dovetail. We're going to be producing more of these, and you're going to be able to put the chronology together and get your faith up. But what it is saying is this. We are moving into revival big time. Youth are coming to faith. It's global. The three cities, the Lord spoke to Bob that he's to invest there, does not mean we're the only three cities. It is not a Pacific Northwest thing. It is a global thing all over the earth. It's black, white, yellow, all the nations of the earth. But he's igniting these words to bring faith. And it's going to increase, it's going to increase, and we're going to the billion, the billion harvest. In the decade of the 90s, we saw... One-third of everybody who has ever been saved since Jesus Christ was brought in in the decade of the 90s. Now we're going to see even more. Shortly, there will be more people alive, saved, walking on planet Earth, than are presently in heaven. That's where we're going. Call her up here.